The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Warren Ingram is Mr. Personal Finance. The risk of our investments, Warren Ingram. Of course, investing is risky. With risk comes reward, etc., etc., etc. But explain this idea of understanding the risk in our investments. Well, well I thought it's it's actually time to to revisit uh, a share which was discussed kind of ad nauseum at the start of the year, um, and it, it's a little company called GameStop in America. Um, and it became the much-loved darling of of the young generation of investors that had kind of hit the stock market for the first time r- roughly when a, a, a trading platform called, called Robinhood became uh, popular. And uh, and the, lots of young Americans just over 18 got their $1,000 stimulus checks from the American government. Uh, and, you know, we, we saw this share GameStop uh, you know, absolutely rocket in value. And what what was interesting was how uh, you know how it was driven, kind of on social media, not not uh, by analysts, but but by private investors, mainly on a platform called Reddit. And and they just absolutely pumped the share up through you know through the roof. So at some point, you know, um, towards the end of January, the share is sort of trundling along, minding its own business at about nineteen twenty dollars a share. Two weeks later, it's trading at somewhere around $347 a share. So so you know if you're sitting there as a as an investor on on Reddit uh you know and knowing that you can open your little Robinhood account and get going and all your friends are telling you that they've bought GameStop and they're you know they let's say $100,000 is now worth $1.7 million. You know it's kind of tempting you know the fear of missing out on these kinds of profits are are so attractive and so alluring that you know it caught a lot of people who who then piled in, uh, and unfortunately they they piled in somewhere around that three hundred and forty three hundred and fifty dollars uh, um, per share price, and and that collapsed you know kind of a week a week and a bit later, it's all the way down to around about fifty dollars, so so when someone says you know I'm I'm interested in high growth investments you know I'm I'm tired of these kind of boring predictable investments that just trundle along and and give me this predictable growth. I, I really want high growth investments. My first question is going to be, when would you like me to notify you about the losses? Do you, do you want me to tell you when you've lost half your money or 75%? Uh, and, and that's usually where the conversation gets a little bit awkward because you know, you know, discussing losses when, when someone's telling me they want high growth investments is, is just not what they want to hear. You know, they want to hear me tell them, well, I can find you the next GameStop uh, and you know we'll we'll take your hundred thousand up to one point seven million, no problem. You know it's an easy thing. You know we, we've all been doing this for for decades. And actually, I'm talking to you from my you know two hundred meter yacht in Monaco. Uh, obviously, not the truth, right? So so understanding that you know if you want high growth, it's it's fantastic. I I, I think it's a nice um, thing to aim for. But just l- let's talk about the risk first. And I think that that's the conversation people aren't really having with, with their friends on social media when they start to talk about this. Yeah, because, you know, you make investments in the very best, uh, with the very best intentions, and you try to mitigate your risk as much as you possibly can, but you don't want to de-risk your investments to the point of cash, for example, in a low interest rate environment. Um, and you, because you do need to be taking some market risk. But I just, I, you know, every time anybody talks about stock market risk, and I know in the short term there's, the yips and volatility and all kinds of fearful moves that do happen. 
But I, I look at any stock market graph in the functioning world and I look at the bottom left corner, I look at the bottom right corner and I say with time and patience and, you know, repeated actions like keep investing money, um, investors do make money in most markets over most time periods um, of, of, of a couple of years. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the message that, that, that I'd love people to take from this is, you know, b- boring and predictable. If that means that you've bought, you know, a basket of shares and, you, you know, you're kind of in the stock market as a whole and you're, you know, only getting the performance of the stock market, just understand that's pretty amazing. You know, the, the, the stock market over long periods of time creates many millionaires and, and you know, in, in certain cases, billionaires. And, you know, if you think that's kind of boring and, and, and you know, mundane, uh, you know, you know, kind of my view is that that's not, you know, it's 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 ride the course, because, as you say, over time, that's where you really make money. You know, if you think that, you know, the investment world is new and, you know, that, that everything is uh, changed now and, and technology has changed the way that markets work, the, the fundamental mistake that you make is markets are not driven by technology. You know, m- markets are driven by human beings. Uh, and and human beings, we, we we haven't really changed at all. In fact, in probably you know quite a few thousand years, we 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 have exactly the same genetics, emotions, and and, and everything. You know, we we might think we're smarter, but we're actually, you know, genetically exactly the same as we were five thousand years ago. So understand that you know the markets might might move more quickly, and and the information flow might go more quickly. But just and just the the people that are actually making these buying decisions are are exactly the same as they were in the you know the noughties, the sixties, you know, and 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 all the way before that, and and so for me, you know, the the fear of missing a hard thing, you know, and saying, you know, give me high growth investments because I want to get the you know the the next big thing that's already happening, I I think the next big thing is about to fall over, you know, and and to me, to avoid those is probably a much smarter decision than chasing them and and trying to get on on the coattails of whatever's just happened, and and GameStop should be such a big lesson for for kind of the you know the, the the investors that hit the markets now age you know 19 to to let's say 30 because it's the first time that they would have been able to access markets with some cash uh, and unfortunately it's going to have taught them some hard lessons but you know the ones that sat on the sidelines in their you know their their index much better off much happier frankly and probably don't need the you know the prozacs to calm them down because avoiding catastrophe is probably more important than chasing short-term winners. I mean, that's I mean the the more sort of windmills you tilt at, the more risk you have of of courting catastrophe. Yeah, I think uh, in in the current environment where where, where things are so uncertain, uh, what you really want to do is try and avoid standing on a big landmine and and you know just if you can be average in terms of getting the average of the markets to getting the average returns of, of the markets i think average nowadays is really exceptional uh, be, because a lot of people a lot of professional managers i'm not even talking about just private investors lots of professional managers have been standing on landmines in the last you know five or so years both here and overseas you know i mean you look at any unit trust in south africa over the last five years and if they're investing in shares the likelihood is they have a steinhoff they have a tongart they have an eoh you know, there have been some pretty you know, big hits for investors to take. So, so kind of just being you know a little bit more spread, a little bit more conservative, not in avoiding shares. I think you know shares is the asset class that gives you the growth. But 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 just you know you know shy away from the things that are hitting the headlines in in terms of share prices doubling and trebling because the likelihood is they've already had their run and and yeah. you have missed out. And I'm sorry, but you'll make lots of money 
by being average. That'll be exceptional. Okay, there we go. And then we got a question from a man called Vainant Khos, who is a regular listener to this and other features, who, like you, is a uh, CFP, what's that, certified financial planner. And he says, most retirement planning is still very focused on the use of living annuities. And he's got some thoughts on this. And he says, most investors seek certainty of income in retirement. Uh, most retirees end up living in living annuities, 90%. He says he's seen data which suggests 90% of retirees are in living annuities. And that leads to a whole bunch of myths that you can only invest in a living annuity in retirement. You can cannot split your pension at retirement. All clients want to leave a legacy with their pension. All guaranteed annuities are bad, he says is a myth. Um, but he says guaranteed annuities is something that you and I need to look into. Um, so we're going to do that, Warren, if you're ready, in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. I don't want to put words into your mouth, Warren Ingram, but I think in the past you've expressed some concern around guaranteed annuities. Um, Bainland says there are a whole bunch of new generation guaranteed annuities that we need to be paying attention to. Your view? Yeah, it's, uh, um, it, it's such a... I'm so conflicted about talking about this because w- w- when you first told me about this, I got a bit um, aggressive uh, thinking that we were, were being pitched, uh, you, you know, another guaranteed um, annuity pitch idea from an insurance company and this is going to make the insurance agents really happy. Uh, they're going to pay, play this clip to all their, their clients and, and sucker them into new guaranteed annuity. So I really didn't want to talk about this, but but having read Van Ant's mail, I think he makes a good point. Uh, so so ve- just very quickly, uh, the, the, the old-fashioned pension you know, the, the, uh, the, that our, our kind of our parents and our parents' parents used to get w- would be called a guaranteed annuity today. In other words, you, you retire at age 65 and your pension, you know, is, is, is a rand amount of money. And let's just say it's 20,000 rand. And, and next year, you know, you, you know you're going to get your 20,000 rand a month, but, but hopefully it's also gone up with a bit of inflation. Um, and, and that was great when people didn't live very long, you know, into retirement and, and you know, the, the system worked fairly well. Th- then lots of things changed, one of which is that we all started to live, you know, 20, 30 years uh, into retirement. Uh, and and the, the insurance company started to pay very bad increases on on the income. So you'd start year one, and you'd think, you know, this is fabulous. My twenty thousand rand is maintaining my lifestyle. Everything's wonderful. But ten years later, you're getting twenty two thousand rand a month, and cost of living is probably at thirty thousand rand a month. And suddenly things are not so rosy. And, and so I, I'm I'm never never been a fan of those. I think uh, you know they they weren't great for. For retirees, actually, over long periods of time, and they paid the insurance agents huge upfront commission, and the insurance agent could sell the product and walk away. No, no, no service, no obligation required, uh, and and that bothered me a lot. So, so I'm one of those people that's a big believer in living annuities. However, I think um, I think Vernon makes some good points that that emotionally, when we retire, we'd love to know exactly what we're going to get, and we'd love to know that it's there and it's going to be guaranteed by some insurance company for the rest of our lives. Uh, and and I think the the industry has modernized to some extent. So so nowadays you can kind of get a, a hybrid of these things where a portion of your money is guaranteed, a portion is still invested with the fund manager. Uh, and hopefully the combination can work. In my experience, looking at these things, I, I don't like the fact that they pay upfront fees, which they do. Uh, I, I think you, you shouldn't be charged upfront fees on investments. I, I, I think 
you know, if you're an advisor, you should be paid to keep clients happy, which means you need to service them and be paid when you service them over one, three, five, 30 years. Uh, and so anything that pays an upfront fee for me, I, I, I find that hard to swallow. But, but having said that, there isn't really another way for these guaranteed providers to pay. Uh, and and that's, the, that's, that's the problem. If you say to somebody who doesn't have particularly much income, come and see me once a year and I'll charge you, you know, however much, 10, 15 or 20,000 rand for a consultation, which kind of amounts to whatever the charges, the upfront fees will be over a period of time on a product anyway, they're going to go, oh, I don't want that. I can't afford that. Um, but take a commission. Yeah, sure, no, that's reasonable. I think a lot of people are still quite comfortable. Uh, they might not like it but they're comfortable with that with that transaction exactly right i think it almost feels as if the you know the insurance company is paying the fee to the advisor it's not the the, the investor and you know that's it's a, so it's kind of psychological sleight of hand uh, because whatever happens when there is a fee being paid to an advisor and it's done up front you need to know it's coming out of your money the, the fact that you actually didn't do an electronic transfer to them don't fool yourself you're paying for it so, so does that mean that I, I would avoid all of these kinds of annuities? No, um, I, I think you know. In my practice, we've um, we certainly found that when someone retires with not enough money, you know, and and clearly they were clients for for the decades before they retired. Otherwise, we would have made sure they had enough. But but my view is, uh, if you meet someone at that stage at retirement and, and they know they're not going to have enough, then often these annuities give them a little bit more income on day one and and a little bit more certainty, a little bit more comfort. Uh, and you're making the best of a of an already not great situation, and and so I think that there is certainly scope there. Uh, and and then for people that know that they've got a spending problem, that know you know that that if they get to retirement, they're not going to look at these living annuities and be disciplined and only draw you know five percent a year. They're going to draw you know fifteen percent a year from a living annuity. If if you're in a situation like that and you know yourself well, or your advisor knows you well enough then locking you into a guaranteed annuity might be a great idea because you, you can't deplete the capital yourself. You're going to get it paid to you on a regular basis for the rest of your life. So, so I do think there are some advantages this, to this, but, but for the people listening, that doesn't mean that now when your insurance agent walks in the door tomorrow and sells you a product and says, you know, Warren and Bruce have been talking about this. This is what, what we've been talking about. Buy it. You, you have to do your homework. You have to know that that uh, that you're going to be paying some upfront fees. You have to know that the certainty you're buying might be at the sacrifice of capital growth later in life, because that's what living annuities do give you: is the chance to grow your money faster than the the income that you would have got from an insurance company. So, so I think you need to ask lots of questions, get lots of quotes, you know, get get lots of kind of understanding of what are your different options and how will they work over the next five, ten, you know, and as I say, up to thirty years of your retirement. And don't just buy it because someone says, look, this is costing you nothing. He has a guarantee. Uh, you know, you're not going to pay him anything. The insurance company will. That, that, that's a red flag. You, you need to ask lots of questions. Make sure that it's right for you. It's just the term guarantee is very comforting, but you're not necessarily getting the very best deal that you could get. Uh, so keep your keep your eyes wide open. Um, and, and so um, this guaranteed with profit annuity, um, is something that uh, uh, that he likes very much, and and that is what Vaynard likes, guaranteed with profit annuity, giving you better income and takes worries away. Uh, is that what you're looking for? 
And, and I think also just to say to, I mean, you know, I didn't really finish my, my starting point. He, um, to, to Van Ant's credit, he's not an insurance agent pitching uh, his company's products. He's, you know, he's an independent, works for a great business that I like very much. So, so thanks to him. He's, he's actually pointed out something we should have spoken about that I was scared to, to talk about. No, but good. Thank you, Van Ant. Thank you, Warren. And then finally, um, what is a multi-manager? Somebody who can juggle at least three balls at once? <laughs> that, that, that's their that's their skill that they're telling us they have. So, so these are the, the these are the fund managers who don't pick underlying shares or bonds or properties. They, they their their speciality is they they go and pick other funds and 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 they they their expertise is that they say they'll tell you that they can pick the best fund managers and put together a blend of different fund managers into a portfolio that will suit uh, an investor's particular risk tolerance. Uh, or, or a particular investment objective. So, so you, you'll, you'll often hear fund manager or fund of funds is, is the, kind of the other phrase for these, or nowadays uh, um, a, a DFM. Uh, and, and all of them are, are multi-managers. So, so they're, they're trying to find what they believe are going to be the, the best fund managers for the next five, 10 years. And then they would say, well, we, we can take uh, you know, X manager, blend it with Y a manager's portfolio, and over long periods of time, one plus one gets us to two and a quarter. Uh, it's a compelling uh, sales pitch because you know they, they, they don't need to be experts in all the different markets in which they operate. They just need to be experts in a much smaller number of fund managers and have a good rigorous way of managing them. I, I don't mind the pitch. I, I think my question always is that when you've got a fund manager being chosen by another fund manager, that sounds to me like two layers of fees. So you have to understand the fees of a multi-manager, but but certainly they, they have a role to play. Um, you know, there's some really big multi-managers in this country and globally that you know that do deliver uh, and do do some kind of a job for for investors. Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital, personal financial advisor as well as a director at Galileo Capital.